Listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Molly, and this is Living Writers. Today, we're going to be playing an interview that Sarah, my co-host, and I did about a week ago with author Tara Altabrando. Um, her first work of fiction is called Level Terrace Apart, and it follows the adventures and misadventures of 35-year-old celebrity journalist Sloane Madden as she attempts to write a biography of Grammy-winning pop princesses Flora and Fauna Sparks who are 17-year-old Siamese twins. It's a send-up satire and analysis of fame, single womanhood, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Very good book. And also she wrote under the name Tara Altabrando, the book The Pursuit of Happiness, in which a girl loses her mother and over the course of the summer comes to deal with this and other issues in her life set at her workplace of a colonial village. Um, we're going to be listening to that interview as well as some music that influenced the books or appears in it. Up first, it's Hyper Ballad by Bjork.
You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is Living Writers. My name is Molly, and I'm here with my co-host, Sarah. Today, we're interviewing author Tara Altabrando, who has written The Pursuit of Happiness, which came out a few months ago from MTV Books, as well as the book Love Will Tear Us Apart, under the name Tara McCarthy. How are you this, this morning, afternoon? I'm doing very well, thanks. Day. I'm glad to hear it. So both of your books are from the perspective of female protagonists, but they're of very different ages. Um, for those of you who are listening and aren't familiar with the work, Love Will Tear Us Apart is a book about a 35-year-old journalist who has had some romantic misadventures in her life and is perhaps slightly bitter. And Pursuit of Happiness is written from the perspective of a 16-year-old who's actually still, you know, despite bad things going on in her life, pretty hopeful about romance and love and boys. How did you come up with those two characters that are so different, and how do you think you got the inspiration to write about two such different people? Um, well, I think that both of them came out of my own experience at different points in my life. Uh, the character of Betsy, she starts out pretty autobiographical. My, my mother died when I was 16 the same way that hers does, and that was obviously an incredibly powerful and life-changing kind of summer in my life. So I always knew that I wanted to write something about about that. It just took me a little bit longer to get around to it than I thought I would. So that character, I feel like, was kind of a direct channeling of the, the person that I was when I was 16. And the character of Sloane, the bitter 35-year-old, um, I wrote her when I was dating really horrible men and was kind of frustrated about my own dating life, and I just decided that I would... I was writing that book when I was about 30. I decided to try to imagine what I would be five years down the road if I were still single. So she's kind of like the worst, bitter version of me that I could dream up. <laughs> One, what I was thinking about... Um, actually, Sarah and I both went through some mom illness troubles in the past, not, of course, resulting in such horrible... Mm -hmm. um, painful uh, circumstances as for you or for for Betsy but do you do you think that you needed that that amount of um, time between these events and writing about them to really be able to talk about it yeah I think I think I did I think there's a reason I didn't write that book as my first one and I think there's a reason I wrote it at a point in my life when I'm very happy I wrote it the summer after I got married and I just feel like I was in a place where it was easier for me to go back and tap into a lot of really negative emotions because I didn't have a lot of negative emotions in my present day life. Um, and also speaking about your marriage and things like that, how do you feel like your books, sort of your writing and um, interacts with your personal life? Do you think that you're, it helps you work through some issues that your attitudes change because of what you write? I think so. I think changes? that when I was writing Level Terrace Apart, I didn't really realize it, but I think I was working out a lot of anger about not having met someone that I wanted to marry sooner in my life. My parents got married really young. A lot of my friends had already gotten married, and I was just, like, wondering, where the heck is this guy? And I feel like once I finished the book, almost like a week later, I met the man that I was going to marry, and there's a part of me that believes that that wasn't coincidence. Well, he wrote one of the songs that's featured in Level Terrace Apart, correct? Correct. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah it worked. it's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> you should repackage the book um, with a little author bio about it. In the back. I know. Um, so I, well, I yeah. perceived like a marked difference between Level Terrace Apart and The Pursuit of Happiness in terms of 
just o- the overarching concept being optimistic in um, the pursuit of happiness and I guess more more jade, much more jaded and um, level tears apart. And while it seems like, um, you know, appropriate for the characters at their different times of life, in terms of the, like, audience you're writing for, mm-hmm. um, like, obviously people want to, you know, writing for teens, give them a hopeful outlook. But, yeah, there's not that many books for you know, in the chiclet canon about 35-year-olds that don't have this bitter person who ends up actually getting married at the end or with yeah. a boyfriend. Do you think that that um, separates your work out from other things like, you know, for instance, you know, Kenny Shapiro-type characters from Jennifer Weiner, where no matter how many bad things happen, they always get a guy in the end? That's maybe Yeah, I mean, when I was writing Level Terrace Apart, I was writing as a reaction to that kind of, kind of chiclet. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like... There were all these books out there that were supposed to be speaking to the experience of being a single woman in your late 20s or early 30s. But, you know, then you would go see the movie of Bridget Jones, and she's got Hugh Grant and Colin Firth battling over her. Like, that's not what it means to be single, or at least it wasn't how I felt the experience of being single was. And most of the time, you know, I was going to parties, and there were no single men there and, like, 20 single women there. And I wasn't very hopeful about the outcome, and I wanted to write a book that had a kind of happy, hopeful ending where the character just realized that if she doesn't meet a guy, she's going to be okay, and that her life is full of, uh, like, love, even if that love takes the form of a bizarre friendship with a pair of Siamese twin pop stars. (laughs) I actually found the ending really refreshing, because I was just waiting for her to, like, marry some guy or marry her friend or whatever, and then I was was like, determined. (laughs) I was determined that she would not meet a guy. Um, But I think that you do end the book hoping that she will and thinking that she's more likely to recognize a good guy if he comes along yeah. now, but I definitely didn't want to tie it up nicely yeah. well, because don't. my life hadn't been tied up nicely. 35 is not the end. You can, you can't. Maybe you will, maybe you won't still. Mm. Oh, another one of the things, talking about she has a lot of love in her life and things to do, Sloane, um, the protagonist of Level Tears Apart, um, one thing that she seems very preoccupied with is music. And as radio DJs, we, of course, care very much about music. And for me, at least, it made me like the character quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. She was talking about nuggets, box sets, et cetera. Is that something that you're interested in? Yeah, definitely. All, all of her musical tastes is my own. Um, I started, my first job out of college was actually working as a music journalist. So I've always really tried to keep up and follow things. And I listen to music constantly when I'm writing and usually pick and choose what I'm listening to so that because I know it's kind of going to influence what I'm working on. So when I was re- working on that book, I was listening to a lot of 60s pop to counteract the fact that I was listening to a lot of Britney Spears to try to get into the mindset of the Spark Sisters. Mm, we like Britney Spears. Um, what sort of music do you think influenced the pursuit of happiness, if any, influenced it at all? Um, there was really just one record that influenced that book and it was the flaming lips yoshimi battles the pink robots there was something about the mood of that album that was just very and the lyrics too i mean there's a lot of great lyrics on there about loss and i pretty much i think that's like the only thing i listened to when i was working on that book that and the joshua tree because that was the 
main record that I associate with my own summer working at a colonial village. <laughs> oh, so you worked at a colonial village, did you? I did. How was that? And how does how is it like um what happens in the book? Um the village that I worked at was a lot more low key than the village I created in the book. I decided to make it a little more exciting in in the world of fiction. But it was pretty fun. I mean as far as summer jobs go it wasn't that bad. There was a lot of hanging out and sweeping and feeding ducks and cooking chicken soup. I actually always wanted to work at one of those when I was little, and then I got the chance. I didn't have to dress up at Mackinac Island in Michigan, uh-huh. and I found out it was not fun at all. <laughs> it was really sad. Um, so but, I mean, the bad thing is that when you're 16, it's actually hard to admit to anyone that you think the job is yeah. kind of cool yeah. because you look like such a dork. Yeah. I mean, I guess I did it when I was 12 or 13 helping out, so there also wasn't the... You know, maybe my friends will show up. Right. Stigma. So in Pursuit of Happiness, Betsy ends up making silhouettes sort of to get work through her feelings using artistic expression. And Fauna in Level Terrace Apart um, is working on making her own music rather than singing her Britney pop. Um, however fun it may be to dance to that other people are feeding her. How do you think artistic expression relates to personal growth for people of that age? And how do you think that the personal expression of just writing her journals for slowing and level tears apart um, relates to her personal growth. And can you kind of compare and contrast? Oh, or? That's fascinating. Oh, I'm all about close reading. my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done an interview about both books at the same time. Oh. It's a head trip. <laughs> well, you know, we like them both, so yeah. we can focus on one it's of the funny. other. It's funny. I've never thought to compare them in that way. I mean, with the character of Betsy, I just, I, you know, for that teenage market, and I really, I really feel strongly about the fact that there are a lot of teenage girls who just kind of lose their way and get caught up. And, you know, I was boy crazy when I was a teenager, but I was also writing stories and keeping a journal. And I think that losing that is bad. So I definitely wanted to give her, a, give Betsy a creative pursuit. No pun intended. Um, I don't know. I think all teenage girls have this great. It seems to me. That they're bursting with energy. I, I definitely didn't want to make Betsy some kind of writer because I think that that's done too easily. And I think, you know, there's also a lot of books about teenage girls where they're really into running and some, something like that. So I thought with this colonial setting, I had an opportunity to do something a little different. So having her cutting silhouettes just seemed like a kind of neat visual thing. I mean, it definitely fits with the themes of the book. Um, one thing that, just from what you're saying, that's kind of struck me as interesting is that you definitely are willing to say that level Sorry about that. I thought I cut the thing in the right place, but I guess it didn't. Um, we'll get back to that question and get a little preview of what's coming up in the rest of Living Writers. But before we play the rest of our interview, I am going to share with you some music from Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, which we were just talking about with Tara Altabrando here on Living Writers. This is a fight test.
listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. This is Living Writers. We were just listening to Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots by the Flaming Lips. Today we are listening to a conversation with Tara Altabrando, author of Level Tears Apart and The Pursuit of Happiness. Level Tears Apart is under the name of Tara McCarthy, if you want to check it out. Before we get back to the interview, though, here are a couple of songs by the Spark Sisters, who are the pop stars featured in Level Tears Apart put together and found on their website sparksisters.com hopefully you enjoy them stay tuned for more music and more of the interview here on wcbn fm in arbor
You're listening to Living Writers. Let's get back to the interview. Listening to you talk about your two books, it's interesting to me that you seem very comfortable um, calling The Pursuit of Happiness a young adult novel and Level Tears Apart a book for adults when it seems like a lot of authors aren't that comfortable being pigeonholed to a certain age group. Why do you think you feel that way? I've been reading The Pursuit of Happiness have been saying that it, that it doesn't strike them necessarily as a young adult book. You know, these are friends of mine and other writers that I know who don't read a lot of young adult fiction, and they just see it as a book about a teenage girl losing her mom. Um, but I don't think, even though there's teenage girls in Level Terrace Apart, I don't think anyone has ever really suggested that it would be. I mean, uh, people have said that it's okay for, like, an older teen readership. I just think they're less likely to relate to the character of Sloan. And since the story is more about her than about the twins, I think it definitely appeals more to an adult market. How do you see the responses to the two novels um, as similar or different? What kinds of people talk to you and what do they say, if you don't mind sharing? Um, the response to The Pursuit of Happiness has been just amazing across the board. I've got great emails and MySpace messages from readers who just have flipped over the book and love it and want me to write a sequel. All the reviews that I've gotten have been positive. Level Terrace Apart was a much more difficult sell, I think. And I think it's funny, a lot of the reviews of Level Terrace Apart start with sentences that they start like, this book sounds horrible, it sounds like a terrain rack. And then they turn around to say that the book is really good. But people, I think, don't quite know what to do with a book about Siamese twin pop stars that's actually trying to be a kind of serious book about what it's really like to be a single woman. It's, you know, the, the levels of satire get people, I think, confused or something. I mean, I probably wouldn't know what to do with it if I hadn't written it. <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to write about um, an issue like Siamese twins being famous? Oh, because I just think that Hollywood and pop music is a freak show in so many ways, and it just seemed like it would be fun to t turn that up a notch and make the person, the celebrities at the center of a book, actual freaks. I mean, the way that people are obsessed with everything that, you know, Britney does or Lindsay Lohan or all these people, I just think it's kind of fascinating and disturbing, and I thought it would be an interesting backdrop to use in a book. Sort of to give them the actual interesting attributes that might warrant the obsession? Yeah, well, I just think <laughs> that, like, things really haven't changed that much. If you go back to the kind of circus sideshows of the, you know, the vaudeville era when there were famous Siamese twin performers, people really haven't changed that much. I mean, there there's still a lot of freaks who are celebrities. They're just not physically connected to each other at the hip. <laughs> Did you do any research about... Um, Siamese twin shows or freak shows for the book? Yeah, I actually have a lot of stuff that I've accumulated. I did a lot of reading about that kind of era, and I read biographies that some conjoined twins over the years have written. I actually spent a lot of money on eBay accumulating really weird artifacts. So, I mean, obviously I have had an obsession with Siamese twins to begin with. Um, and then this book kind of just gave me an excuse to really dig into it. Why would you? Why did you find Siamese twins to be so interesting? Um, it actually, I think, is my father's fault. He had a little uh, replica of a vaudeville poster of the Hilton sisters, Daisy and, Daisy and Violet Hilton, who were alive in the 30s and 40s. It was in the basement of my house when I was growing up, and I thought they were just gorgeous and cool and played the saxophone, and I thought it would be amazing to be a Siamese twin. 
Wouldn't it be amazing if our modern day Hilton sisters were conjoined? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but then I don't there think wouldn't they'd be any less freakish or any more freakish. Yeah, then there wouldn't be all those articles about like Paris's lifestyle versus Nikki's lifestyle though, and I love those. Uh, I would I wouldn't have nothing to read, Sarah. That's <laughs> <is> true. <laughs> oh my my contribution to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time. you're making me look good. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in a lot of ways, it seems like, and I mean, this is, you know, dime store analysis, but um, the conjoinedness of Flora and Fauna, the pop star twins in Level Terrace Apart, is really sort of this mega huge, obvious foil for Sloane's loneliness in that book. Um, yeah, that was the point. Yeah. To just, I mean, if you take a single person and you're going to write some kind of satire, who is her ultimate foil going to be? And obviously a pair of Siamese twins will suit the bill. And um, they're young and gorgeous and have big breasts. And do you think, she would hate them under yeah. normal circumstances. <laughs> um, do you think that, that, you know, subconsciously or subconsciously, um, there being Siamese twins and never being alone has anything was any sort of commentary in your mind about the nature of being famous or was it just you know this side thing that I made up on my own um yeah I don't think I really thought about that as an aspect of being famous for me it was just the the idea of having a character who's single who so desperately wants to connect with someone and be coupled and then her witnessing what it's like to really literally be coupled and realizing that she has wasted a lot of bitterness and energy striving for something that's not perfect anyway, that every relationship is a compromise and that the twins are like this living example of the ultimate in that. Have either of you guys seen, um, I think the reviews came out, I forget who it's by, there's a book that's actually about Siamese twins coming out again. And it was interesting reading the reviews. I wish I could remember the author. The review, when I read the reviews of Level Terrace Apart, was very much like, okay, this book is about Siamese twins, like you said before, but just don't, don't, just forget about that for a second, just read it. Just, you know, it's it's better than it looks. And for this one, it's, there's not even that approach to it. It's very, it's interesting to me. Maybe you broke some ground, and there'll be this whole sub-genre of Siamese twin literature coming out in the future. <laughs> is it called The Girls by Lori Lanz? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that maybe... Um, she's being marketed as more literary fiction. Mm -hmm. So I think it's considered in that case like a serious topic and she's dealing with it in a more serious way whereas mine is this kind of crazy pop satire Mm -hmm. that's about conjoined twins. I I mean, I think that people have successfully written books about conjoined twins before. Like there was that book, uh, Darren Strauss wrote Chang and Ng, which is his fictionalized biography of Chang and Ng. I just think it was kind of like the the fact that mine were kind of like Britney Spears that was a little bit hard for people to get behind. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely... So, The Pursuit of Happiness is kind of cancer story with a girl rooted in a colonial village and Level Terrace Apart is, you know, has the gimmick of Siamese twins, but you manage to very gracefully pull off not kind of being sensationalist I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, did you worry about having like kind of a one note going with like 
kind of like crazy contacts. Yeah, when your settings are so um, overwhelming, did you right. worry that maybe your characters would get swallowed up? And how did you go about making sure that didn't happen? Oh, well, in the pursuit of happiness, I think it, I just definitely wanted to keep the colonial village definitely as a background because I, I don't think there are that many teenage girls who would be interested in that setting alone. So I wanted, you know, I definitely made an effort to keep the emphasis on the story and the fact that she meets this great boy who works there and show her life outside of work, too. And, you know, I wanted to play it for jokes a little bit because it's, there's humor in working in a colonial village these days. But um, I definitely felt like it wasn't overpowering. I tried not to have it be like the jokey, overpowering thing. I think somebody probably could have written a very different novel set in a colonial village that was more hokey and jokey. Uh, with Love of Terrace Apart, I don't know. I'm not sure what I... Th- I mean, I definitely know that with that book, I was concerned about the Siamese twins being that the that the book would be too punny and jokey and would lack a heart and i think that that's why when i originally started writing that book it was just going to be about a pair of siamese twin pop stars and their story was going to be told from many different perspectives of people who knew them over the course of their life and that's when that started to seem really jokey really fast and that's when i flipped it around and decided that the narrator should be a single woman who who has this journey that the twins are almost peripheral to it definitely grounds the book in many ways. Um, so, you know, your professional works are clearly um, significantly informed by your personal life. Do you um, see yourself continuing the trend? And, you know, I guess what other uh, crazy jobs or interesting obsessions may come out in the future? I'm not really sure, and I'm actually, the book I'm working on now is my next adult book. It, it'll be a Tara McCarthy book, and it's actually the first thing that I've written that really strays from my own life experience. It's about a group of Americans who are at a destination wedding in Belize, so, and there are four different narrators. So it's a totally different kind of thing because I'm breaking away from the first person. And I think that's just a natural progression a lot of times as a writer that you start out writing things that are a little more autobiographical and then you feel the need to tell bigger stories and you need to kind of bring in more points of view. I have an I book and the I key actually fell off of it and I took that as a sign that (laughs) I stop stop writing things that were based on my own life. You are listening to Living Writers here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor 88.3. You can also listen on the web, maybe you are, wcbn.org, or check out our podcasts, Living Writers um, is the name to type in. Go to the podcast section of iTunes, of the iTunes Music Store. It's free, of course, just like we always are in all our other programming. Um, we are listening to an interview with Tara Altabrando, nay, Tara McCarthy, today that Sarah and I did a week or two ago. Hopefully you're enjoying it. She has written the books Level Terrace Apart under the name Tara McCarthy and The Pursuit of Happiness under the name of Tara Altabrando. Um, coming up, a little bit more music um, from the books. This next song is Anchor. It's actually a song by the Dutch Kills, but um, is used in the book Level Terrace Apart, and this is a version sung by Fauna Sparks, one of the uh, twins, and after that, of course, Level Tears Apart by Joy Division. Unfortunately, there is no Spark Sisters 
um, cover of this available that I can find because I'm pretty excited about hearing that. But we'll have to settle. Third part of the interview is coming up in just a couple of minutes, so stay tuned. It's cold and isolated And in a way I'm feeling fine My nose is filled with roses And my head with day-old wine Though I still recall a time when I still reached out for
You're listening to Living Writers here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We just heard Level Tears Apart by Joy Division and Anchor covered by the fictional character Fauna Sparks from the Sparks Sisters of Level Tears Apart. Today we're listening to a conversation with Tara Altabrando, um, also known as Tara McCarthy, author of Level Tears Apart, as well as The Pursuit of Happiness. Let's get back into the interview last bit. So enjoy it while you can. What other young adult or adult fiction have you been reading or lately or have you been influenced by, do you think, and how? Um, I'm not sure about if I can specify influences because I try not to be influenced when I'm writing something. Um, I've read a number of great books lately, and um, I just read a book called Josie and Jack by Kelly Braffin. It's her first novel, and it's just this really dark, very cool riff on a kind of Hansel and Gretel fairy tale. Um, I just read The Wonder Spot by Melissa Bank. I think she's a great writer, and I think that she got a bad deal when Curtis Sittenfeld decided to go on a tear against her in the New York Times book review. Um, I did read that book, The Girls, about conjoined twins, because I was curious to see what another writer would do with similar Mm. subject matter. And I enjoyed it. We were, you know, we're playing around with some of the same themes, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then I read a YA book recently called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which I just loved. It has a lot of music going on in it, and they're kind of cool kids hanging out. It's like one night in their life on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. If I had to pick someone whose career I would like to model, or actually there's two people, I guess. As an adult writer, I'd love to have a career like Ann Patchett. I just think that her books are also unique from each other and really great, and they get better and better as she goes along. And then in the YA world, I think Sarah Dessen is just like a great example. I think her books are awesome. You must have been happy when you were compared to her, huh? Thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess um, seeing as how your books to this point have been informed um, by music as well, where is your, you know, current taste-heading? Well, actually, the book that I'm writing now about the wedding in Belize, the bride and the groom are in an indie rock band, so I still have figured out a way to get get music into that book, and I'm completely obsessed with Metric right now. Do you know Metric? Yeah. Um, They're pretty much... I've been listening to them constantly. I'm trying to get a handle on the female character that I'm writing, and I'm sort of using... Uh, the girl from Metric is an example, and also Emma Pollock from the Delgados. I'm trying to create some weird, like, love child that they would have. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your writing process like? Have you just been a professional writer and not had day jobs? or? Um... I've had day jobs along the way. Most of them had to do with writing in some way, and they were never full-time jobs. So I feel like that's been a neat little trick that I've managed to pull off. Uh, I worked at a music magazine for a couple of years. I worked at a record company writing press releases. I worked at the Museum of Television and Radio where I was writing synopses of television shows. So I feel like all of those things, you know, danced around story structure and writing, and I I write book jackets. So it's all kind of related, but it's never been, I've never had like a, a day job that's a career that would really take me away from writing. So how do you feel about um, 
the way that your books are publicized, do you think that maybe writing for a YA audience or writing sort of a sarcastic pop novel is in any way makes your books, um, that makes you not be taken as seriously as you would want to? Um, just thinking about, we've had a lot of conversations with young adult authors and read a lot of articles, and it always kind of seems like either they don't take themselves as seriously as the other authors we've talked to, or the world doesn't take them as seriously. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like maybe you just wish someone would just say, this is literature to me? Or are you okay with where you stand right now? I feel pretty good about where I'm at right now. I feel like I would never want to be someone like Harper Lee, who wrote one literary novel and then didn't do anything for like however many years like I think she's written another book now or something she wrote an article for Oprah right (laughs) (laughs) I definitely want to have a long life as a writer and grow and mature as a writer um you know there are, are people whose opinion I value notably my husband who thinks that I'm a literary writer even though no one else seems to and the first email he ever sent me compared me to Richard Russo, which I thought was neat. Um, I think that as the subject matter that I'm writing about maybe changes, people will start to take me more seriously, but I didn't want to. You can't worry about that. I just feel like I'm writing books that I feel I can do a good job at, that I'm excited about, and that I think you know some people will get excited about and get a kick out of, and everything else will follow. I mean, I think if you're... A lot of literary writers don't make a living at it ever, and I feel like I have a lot of stories to tell, that some of them are more commercial than others, and that hopefully, you know, you just keep doing good work and a reputation will follow. Obviously, my question is going to reverse directions, Um, but we talked about, you know, your music taste and how it... um, of strays from the mainstream so then how do you feel publishing like under mtv books which kind of tends to target a certain audience as a brand like yeah i mean i haven't honestly i haven't thought that seriously about it because the opportunity was presented to me by them that you know they approached me basically and said do you want to write for us and I had a book that I thought could benefit from having what some people consider to be a cool kind of logo on the cover. Um, yeah. I just don't think that, that there are that many people out there who really pay that much attention to imprints. Maybe they do, but I just think that what was important for me was being able to write the book and get it out there. I mean, I watch MTV for all the wrong reasons, like most people do. Um, I don't think it's the root of all evil. I've, you know, practically grown up on the real world. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me, but I, I'm generally not a person who makes grand political statements. Good for you. Um, and actually, Sarah, <laughs> you know that The Perks of Being a Wallflower is an MTV book. I know. And it's I've all read, about the Smiths. I've read pretty much all of the MTV books. <laughs> So she's got it on the mind. It's just I mean, I think MTV books can be like any other book imprint where it can have a wide range and already does have a very wide range of what kinds of books they want to do. I mean, if you target people that watch MTV that also read, yeah, you know, they can't be that bad. I know. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for talking to us today. 
Oh, thanks so um, much. This is great. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we just didn't miss completely? Any, no. Any gossip you want to let us in on? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go have to think a little bit harder about some of the questions you asked me, actually. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when you spend lots of time in college. You just and the, and the, then you never leave and you just stick around. You just keep thinking about books in the same way. It's time to leave Ann Arbor. Anyway, <laughs> I still got a year. <laughs> Thanks oh. for talking to us. It was great to hear from you, and we look forward to your future projects. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. You too. You're listening to Living Writers here on WCBN FM. That's it. We just heard our interview with Tara McCarthy um, slash Alter Brando author of Level Tears Apart, Under the Former, and The Pursuit of Happiness Under the Latter Names. You can get more information on her by going to sparksisters.com or taraaltabrando.com. That's T-A-R-A-A-L-T-E-B-R-A-N-D-O.com. Right. Um, they also have a MySpace page, Sparks Sisters. Uh, well, one more song, I suppose. Um, this is the Delgados, one of the bands that's influencing her future work. This is The Weaker Argument Defeats the Stronger from the album Peloton. And then it'll be time for Free Speech Radio News, followed by Closets Are Foreclosed. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. I think you know I'd like to go Cause all the ladies are staying But they know
This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, July 5th, 2006. From KPFA in Berkeley, I'm Brian edwards Tigert, sitting in for Auto Bogato. The U.N. Security Council enters an emergency session after North Korea test-fires a long-range missile believed to be capable of reaching Alaska. Nepal's Madeshi minority launches a week-long protest to secure greater rights in the country's new constitution. Republican lawmakers try to rally support for competing versions of immigration legislation with dueling hearings. 